I remember when death became real for me. Uh, I was about 20 years old. I was serving as the associate pastor of a church in Charlottesville, um, Hinton Avenue United Methodist Church. It was a wonderful church. They um, were very forbearing with a young man who had no idea what the heck he was doing. Um, and my mentor, who uh, uh, taught me a lot of things, helped me do the very first funeral I had ever done, uh, and we had co-led. Well, this, this funeral, uh, that was when I was 19. At 20, I was doing a funeral solo for a person who, was 20, who had died when he was 21, so a contemporary. And I sat with his family, and what do you say? What, what do you say? to someone that young dying, and especially when you yourself are that age. I'm sure for the family, if there was any kind of psychological transference going on, they're looking at a guy who's the same age as this young man who died. Uh, and uh, it became really real for me in that moment. I looked for a story, I thought of a lot of stories in my life about when things become real, when things become real. Because, you know, the first time you go to the beach and the waves lap over your feet, that's so much more of a upbeat, positive, woo, look at that, there's beach, and you're running away. I can still remember taking Hannah and Josh to the beach for the first time, and the water, they're walking towards the water, and then the water starts coming towards them, and then they turn around, and, you know, on those little tiny, wobbly feet trying to escape, and the water gets them. And, you know, it's either a moment of deep joy or a moment of deep, uh, ah, you know. Uh, and I think for each one of them, they had different reactions. I cannot remember which one reacted negatively and one positively, but they both, we had one of each. So, uh, in terms of their encounters. But there are moments when things become real. Today's text is the beginning of a series I've invited you, uh, and if you, if you, you can look on our web page, but uh, uh, on our Facebook page, but also in the back there is a list of all the readings for uh, the next six weeks. You can read along with us First uh, John, which is the first letter of John, not the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is 21 chapters and long. First John is five chapters, 105 verses long, so it's very short. We're reading it in short snippets. I've really loved reading it in short snippets. I had to read ahead. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep up with you, but I also have to read ahead so I can be prepared to preach on a Sunday morning because we don't finish the reading until tomorrow, more or less, of this week's readings. But we finished this first one on the very first day, which was Ash Wednesday, this past Wednesday. So I invite you to listen to these words again. Uh, and listen for what they might say to you. Uh, uh, and, you know, you might say, why did he name this message, Rise to the Call? Well, just listen. Listen, and perhaps uh, it will become clear to you. This is what it says in the first letter of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. 
This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it, and declared to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. It's interesting if we could read this in the Greek, and we don't. And I'm not going to play with Greek words. I might mention one in the middle, not to show what I know, but because every once in a while it's helpful to understand a word that could be translated multiple ways that they've chosen to translate a specific way. But if you're at all familiar with uh, the Gospel of John and the way it begins, the first 18 verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the way that this text in 1 John 1 begins, from the beginning. And because Greek allows you to put the object first, <laughs> uh, that's where it begins. But when we translate it into English, you can't put the object first unless you're Yoda. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, Yoda puts the object first, and then, you know, uh, in the beginning, we proclaim. You know, or we declare. I mean, he can do that. Uh, you know, most people who read the Bible don't do that. In the beginning, it's, uh, it's meant to be a callback. And what's interesting to me about 1 John 1 through 4 and John 1 through 18, it's as if 1 John 1 through 4 is John, uh, the writing, uh, a little sermon, a miniature sermon about 1 through 18. So if you've never read John 1, this sounds kind of wacky. Let me just tell you, if you don't have anything to make a comparison to, this came later, and the writer is trying to make clear something that's very important. Now, having said all that background stuff, let's get to what that important thing is, and that is that Jesus was real. Jesus was real, physically real. Now, if you read the prologue to John this is where it's going to become confusing. 1 John, John. This is the prologue of 1 John. You read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. There's a lot about the glory of God. And, you know, there was a lot of people in that first century who were still trying to figure out who this Jesus guy was. Was Jesus really flesh? Or was Jesus just kind of a masquerading image of God that popped up and never really truly suffered? You know, how can God be human and divine? And we have still not 2,000 years later truly figured out how it's one or the other. And our minds don't hold both ends very well. We need to work on that. But we don't hold both ends very well. Either ors we do really good with. Either human or divine. Don't try mixing them together and saying it's both. One or, no, no, both and. Human and divine, human and divine, fully both, fully. How can they be fully both? 50, 50, no, 100, 100. That doesn't work, James. Yes, it does. In that first century, they were still trying to figure it out. And apparently, there was dissension in the early church in the same way there was dissension in the world today. Somebody, if we read on in the first John, we will discover somebody is preaching something else. 
Why would he push so hard on the real physical? He doesn't just, did you listen to those kinds of descriptions? We declare you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. Touched with our hands. It's physical. It's real. It's important that you know that. And this is apparently a polemic against someone else in the community who's saying, it's all about the ethereal God who's out there kind of thing. So he wants you to know Jesus is real. He wants you to know the reality. We declare to you what was given to us, what we have seen with our hands, touched with, seen with our eyes, touched with our hands, heard with our ears, what's real, and Jesus is real. But now Jesus isn't here anymore. So what makes Jesus real? He goes on and tells you. The word of life. And in this text, instead of being capitaled, capitalized W, it's a little W. Which means, probably it means the words that we say. But it also means you as the community are the proclamation of good news. You are the proclamation. That means if the world's going to know that God loves it, you better get out there. <laughs> you know, if I was really going to tell you what to do right now, it, you've already got the news now. It's, that's all the news you need to know. Get up and leave. Go out there and make sure that everyone knows. Tell every blade of grass. And when I say tell them, I want you to show that blade of grass. It is loved by God. And every human being you encounter, I want you to tell them that they are loved by God. And I don't want you to just tell it in your words. Because for way too long, the church has said all sorts of words on one side and danced actions that did not look like their words on the other. And we all know people who can talk a good talk, but when it comes to walking the walk, ain't looking too good. We don't need any more of that. We don't need any more of that in the world. What we need in the world is people who will rise to the call. And the call that we have on our lives is that we be the proclamation every single day in the way that we live and treat other human beings. With respect, with dignity, with love, with hope, with care, with concern, with kindness. Sometimes you have to be firm. Sometimes you have to stand your ground, whatever. But you don't have to do it in an ugly way. You don't have to blame somebody else for your own mistakes so you can feel better about yourself. Take responsibility. But sometimes they're wrong. Just let it roll over your shoulder. <laughs> Be the bigger person. Be the loving, caring concern. Jesus was serious about this. If faith is going to be real, it needs to look real in you. And it needs to look real in me. It's not something you do with your brain. If somebody brought you up to believe that it's all about brain stuff, some of us are in a lot of trouble. I have this interesting sign on my wall at home. It's really, it's actually on the refrigerator now. I moved it up. It's about zombies. Zombies eat brains. You're safe. <laughs> I like to remind myself every morning as I'm opening the refrigerator to get out the creamer for my coffee, I'm safe. Don't have to worry. It's not about how smart you are. It's about how real you are, how loving you are. It's about, in, it's about you making this proclamation we have about God's love for everybody real. 
with your fingers, with your ears, with your words, with your eyes, with the things that you think. In every way humanly possible, you are meant to make this proclamation real. Because if you don't make it real, it's not. It's not. We are God's hands and feet. Mark, Mark Hayes reminds me of this all the time. We are God's hands and feet in this world. And ears and eyes and mouthpieces. And if we do not speak love, hopefully, if we don't make it real, it's not. Because love isn't some warm, fuzzy feeling somewhere deep that down inside. It is the way you act. I don't care how you feel about me. If you treat me like dirt, I don't see any love. So treat me with kindness. Treat me with hope. And not just the people that are easy to treat that way. Do you have one of those people in your life? Maybe it's at work. Maybe you live with them. I don't know. I've never lived with a person that was a sandpaper person. But you know that they just rub you. Eventually you get raw. And you think, wow, I'm rubbed a little bit raw. I mean, step away. And then the sandpaper person gets a little closer, rubs you some more, right in the raw spot. And it's raw spot. It's not in some other spot. What is it? You know, I'm really calloused over here. Rub there. No, that raw spot. Just rub it really good. You know, sandpaper people. Those are the hard people to love and to make it active. And yet Jesus didn't give you any excuses. I'm sorry. Being real, making love real, is making love real for everybody. Maybe the person is a sandpaper person because they're exactly like you. Maybe the thing that rubs you raw with the other person is what you rub raw on the other one. Maybe it's a mutual admiration society. I rub you raw, you rub me raw. Yay! <laughs> or maybe it's not. Maybe they've never experienced what real love looks like. Guess what? Here's your chance. Here's your chance. Because if I understand the letter of 1 John, at least this first part, it's about being real. It's about making love real, real, palpable, touchable, hearable, feelable. At the very core of everything, love is meant to be real. He goes on to talk a little bit about... Um, we declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. That's a delightful word. Have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing this to you so you can have joy. Fellowship. Fellowship means a lot of things. I grew up in the church. We had a fellowship hall. It's where you're supposed to go to be nice to each other. I guess in the church building, you're not supposed to be nice. In the worship center, don't do that. We didn't even call them worship center. They were sanctuary, and they were sanctified and holy, and you didn't even smile when you were in there, baby. You had to be serious. Let me tell you, those pews were hard, too, baby. You have it easy sitting in those little seats. You know, uh, I grew up on those hard, bottom-flattening seats. You know, uh, that was their job. I guess to keep you awake. They're actually designed carefully to keep you awake so you can't fall asleep. Because if you fall asleep, you fall over, you hit your head. You know, it's concussion time, hospital, 
hospital. It was serious in there, but we had a fellowship hall, and the fellowship hall was all about fellowshipping. Well, the interesting thing is the word for fellowship, this is where the translation is interesting, koinonia. Um, and, and first, John doesn't use this a lot, by the way, but what he's talking about, the same word means partnership and communion. We are in partnership. If you hear what we declare so we can be in partnership together, and not only partnership with each other, but partnership with God. Partnership. You're God's partner. In this whole revealing of God's goodness to the world, you are God's partner. God isn't off doing it by God's self. Somewhere off in the far distant parts of the universe, you know, it's an ever-expanding universe. And by the way, it's expanding, it's, the expansion is accelerating, so it's getting bigger faster. <laughs> and God, what is God, hanging on the super far side of the universe, you know, far away goodness for us. God is hanging out in the whole thing, infinite. And God is being revealed moment by moment in us. We're part of that. We're not separate from God being revealed. We are God being revealed. Now, don't hear me. Oh, I went to church on Sunday. My preacher told me I was God. That is not what I said. <laughs> that is not what I said. Poor Kai's trying to sleep. I'm waking him up back there. You know, uh, the truth is, I'm not saying you are God, but you mirror God. You reveal God or don't. In your worst possible moment, in that encounter with that customer service person who is not doing what you need them to do, and has you're on your 10th customer service person because there have been nine mistakes prior to this, and you've been escalated to like the customer service assistant manager, and you're talking to them, they're still not doing do they know God loves them by the way you're behaving at that point? Do they know? Because that's the test, sisters and brothers. Making it real all the time. Now, let's be honest. The good news for us is the message of the good news is there is grace. <laughs> so if you drop the ball, and you will. You know how I say that every week during communion? If you drop the ball, and you will... I will, I do, I can speak from personal experience, there is grace and forgiveness. That's the latter part of the first chapter. I just couldn't get to it. It's not that I didn't read it. It's that we'd be here until beer and hymns at 6 o'clock for me to talk about the whole chapter. And that's not okay. That's not okay. I'll let you go. You won't be able to remember what I say. I won't be remembered what I say, so... It comes down to being in partnership with God and making real what God wants. And that is God's revelation to the universe. That God is love. The fabric of the universe is love. It is the energy that unites us, that holds us together. And we can reveal it or we can hide it. And I believe if we're going to rise to the call on our lives going to rise to the call in our lives, we must be the revelation of the good news. That was from the beginning. That is real in our lives. And it calls us to be real 
the proclamation. Assignment. Your assignment for the week is to be real. And to keep it real. And there's extra credit. Extra credit. This involves reading. So uh, this is not reading next week's stuff. This is actually review. You know, so it's, you know, the list today is verse 9. See how little it is to read? Today is just verse 9. I can give it to you right now. 1 John 1, 9 says, if, if, uh, it's about forgiveness. <laughs> if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Golly day. One of the very first memory verses I ever did. It's like 1 John 1, 9. What does that start with? And which ver- the problem is when you memorize it in like four different verses and uh, versions and you can't remember. I, I know the King James. I know the NIV. I know the RSV. I know the NRSV. But I can't remember the first word of any of them. So it doesn't matter what I know, what it doesn't know. That was today's reading. Tomorrow is chapter 10, uh, chapter 1, verse 10. One verse. And then Tuesday you get off. But your extra credit is to reread 1 John 1, 1 through 4, what I preached about today. Against the backdrop of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you'll find out that these first four verses of 1 John is just the elder riffing on verse 14. Okay, you know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. All right, I cheated a little bit. So, uh, okay, still, it's extra credit. You can read it, or you cannot. And I don't know who it's extra credit with. You don't have to come up to me next week and I'm going to give you a little special star or something. It's not going to happen. It's extra credit. But I do expect what God expects of you to be real, to be the real proclamation and to keep it real, to keep it real. Be real, keep it real. That's your assignment for the week.